Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest I am very excited about. She is the host of one of my favorite podcasts ever, Natch Butte. You guys have probably heard me speak about it before. She's a self-proclaimed over 30 niche influencer, and I want to do the bit that she does before hers, but I feel like I won't do it justice, but she's she's a lot of things. She has many names. Welcome, Jackie Johnson. I sit back with this pack of zigzags and this bag of this weed. It gives me the shit needed to be the most meanest MC on this earth. This is birth. I've been cursed with this curse. It just curse. It just blurt. That was for you, more. I am internally fucking screaming because <laughs> I don't want to make people go deaf. Jackie, you just unlocked so many memories oh, in my man. mind those M&M verses like I I I was I immediately reverted to my 14 year old self I like, could spit I, M&M this whole episode I won't what if we just do your that? audience what if we just did, only communicated at M&M lyrics like just throughout the entirety of the the podcast just only I mean, only M&M lyrics would be an aggressive episode <laughs> People, people are used to me being aggressive. They're like, "Oh, just, just another day of Nora's hostility and yeah. uh, really angry uh, little rants that she goes on." But I was just on Jackie's podcast, and we we bonded over our mutual uh, teen love of Eminem. I would say it's more of, a, of an obsession than a love, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I it's probably it was a good thing that we were the age we were because if I would have been like a young adult, I probably would have went to find him. Right, right, right. I would have gone to the concerts. I would have tried to get backstage. I would have driven past his house. Like, I would have gone there. (laughs) So it's good that we were teenage, young teenagers. I thought he was so hot. Oh, me too. And he's short. And I don't even like short guys, but at the time, I didn't care. I mean, I, I just was like, he is God's gift to mankind. There is yes. no one more talented yes. or intelligent than him. The and I look back on it. Shady, honey. I need that in I'm my life. Like, like I, I, things really could have turned out way worse for, for that being my role model and slash crush for many, many years. Yes. Um, uh, so, I mean, thank God. Thank God we, we grew out of that phase, even though, you know what? I still I have fond memories of it. It was a fun time. Yeah, I still will forever, even though, you know, there's a lot of problems around him and his lyrics and things that at the time I just was too young to understand. There will right. always be like a fondness there. Yeah. Yeah. For the nostalgia of, of the time. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he was cool at the time, but yeah, just so many, so many problematic things. Like I can't even, I can't go listen to it, but like, like we were talking about on your podcast, like it, I have the lyrics ingrained in my brain in a way that I can't remove them. Um, yes. but yeah, I, um, welcome to the show. Thank I, you. I, I just genuinely feel like you're the type of person that I, I will have to restrain myself from just like yapping. Cause I have so many questions to talk, I just want to ask you a million things. So you have your podcast, Natch View, obviously, where you talk about skincare, beauty, self-care, just just all things that we, you know, we love. How how did you kind of like, I guess, figure out that that was something that you really felt like passionately about? Because you're you're an actress, you're a comedian, you're you're so many things. So how did you like come to the conclusion like this is something that I just I want to make a whole podcast about it? Well, I didn't realize at the time that this was such a this had such a big influence and impact on my entire upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is like a glam lady, mm-hmm. and when I was little, 
I, yes, I played Barbie dolls and yes, I went outside and like played my bike and all that, but I loved going in her caboodle and doing looks, you know, and doing the mint julep face mask and just like oh doing, you know, curling my hair. I did pageants. So like I was always getting in full glam as a child, you know, and it was something that I didn't realize I was good at or that I had like a particular expertise in until I became sort of like an adult woman mm-hmm. living in LA and you know, my friends would be like, I don't know how to get fake eyelashes on. And I'd be like, oh, honey, I'll show you. And I would like, had, I had a row of women in my sorority house, like waiting for me to put their eyelashes on for them. Just like I got gel manic, I got a gel manicure. I was the first woman. This is fact. Okay, Nora, you can go ahead and check me if you want. <laughs> I was the first woman in the comedic scene in LA that got a I gel manicure. I say in America. I, I, I really thought I don't think America. the first person no, no, in no. America. And I was like, holy shit, I'm, I, I could, I don't even know what to bow do. Bow right down. Now. Yeah. 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 Bow down. But no, yeah. I was not. I, I'll be honest. But I was the first like <laughs> woman comedian in LA. Yeah. And everyone's like, what's going on with your nails? And I was like, oh, honey, this is jail. It'll be the next big thing. And like, I've just always been really interested in exploring like beauty self care. And when I was coming up with an idea for a show, I just feel like there were a ton of like, I'm funny and my guest is funny and we're going to just talk. And I was like, I want something a little more specific and niche Mm -hmm. and like something to explore. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I decided to do Natch Butte. And Natch Butte, uh, fun fact, the title, I meant for it to sound like a fake magazine. Like we were talking about being teenagers and like looking through Mm -hmm. our like YMs. I was like, Natch Butte sounds like a funny like take on a like a beauty magazine and so I wanted the show to feel like a magazine like you turn the page and now we're talking about waxing our vaginas we turn the page now we're talking about you know serum like just I wanted it to be sort of an all-encompassing experience sort of like a a glamour magazine and it is and your artwork your album artwork um I know you've changed it since but like it it does have that kind of magazine-y look to it so yeah I wanted it to be like sort of editorial yeah 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 no it's it's really cool and I mean like I said, I mean, genuinely, one of my favorite podcasts, I have been known to say vote with your wallet, which is a Jackie Johnson saying. And I think it's one of the smartest things I've ever heard someone say about like, just when it comes to, I guess, consumerism, you know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna spend the money, spend it on someone who you want to give that money to. Yes. Because there are so many options at this point that it's like, why not? Why would you not? You I know. know at this to- point, there's just so much information out there mm-hmm. that every time you buy something, you should be making an informed decision as to why you're buying that. Um, and I understand like going in and feeling really overwhelmed, like, oh my God, there's literally 7,000 jars of moisturizer. Which one do I buy? Like, start poking around because you could buy a cream that supports all of your values. And it mm-hmm. so it reflects not only like, oh, I like the look of it, I like the feel of it, but also like, I like what's behind it. I like supporting a woman. I like supporting a black woman. I like mm-hmm. supporting a, um, you know, a millennial woman or mm-hmm. an immigrant woman or mm-hmm. or a military woman or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Just you can make those choices with your purchases. And then and then everyone wins. And and that's everyone that's what wins. I really I love about that. And and if you know, and, and I totally understand the whole feeling like overwhelmed thing. Maybe not about skincare, but I, there have been situations. You know, when it comes to audio, I have there's definitely so much I had to learn. I had no fucking idea. And, and having a resource for that is so helpful, which is why I think your podcast is great because you make the skincare and beauty world super digestible and 
easy for people to get super into it, even though, and you've said this before, like your listeners probably know a fuck ton about skincare and beauty because, you know, with YouTube and podcasts and everything, there's so much knowledge out there at this point that I think for the most part, most of us know what the fuck we're doing for the most part. You know what I mean? Like whether or not we intended for that to happen, we just, you scroll through Instagram and you, you learn the difference between the AHA and BHA, like at this point. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think it's really important to take care of your skin and that doesn't even necessarily mean like, oh, you got to put on a glam face and makeup every day. No, it's just taking care of your face and having pride in your skin and feeling good and taking care of it. We only get one damn face. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, okay, that makes sense. I want to do the bare minimum. I want to wash my face. I want to take care of my skin. If you go on YouTube and you literally type how to start a skincare routine, there will be a bunch of videos for you and you can watch a few of them and kind of pick and choose what you like. And Get started, honey. The time mm-hmm. is now. I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're 80. Now's the time. Oh my God, Jackie, you literally are my soul sister. I could cry right now. That was the most touching thing anyone has ever said on my podcast. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've been. Are you sure? Because I could rap the way I am again <laughs> if you'd like me to go there. I'm going to just start making like requests. Um, but no, like, I mean, I, I really, I love the. Everything that you do, honestly, and and I do think you're such like a multifaceted person, and and something that I I've, I mentioned to you earlier that I really love is I've seen you grow so much through your podcast, which can be a little creepy to say, but genuinely, I mean, when you listen to someone every week for right. however many years, you you get to know that person, you feel like you know them, and seeing you grow and you know, it it really is something that like makes me really respect you even more as like a creator, as a podcaster, everything, because you're very transparent with it. And you're very open with your audience about just kind of where you're at and, you know, how you got there, if you can, and you're, you, you kind of bring together this external beauty and internal beauty and a very, kind of cool way that's not cheesy or kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it, yes. you do, it's it just very much you being you and sharing your journey with your audience. Like, were you ever like hesitant to kind of be more open given that it is a beauty podcast to talk more about personal things? I think I literally went into podcasting, not knowing anything and not considering anything about that because the first, I think the third episode, fourth episode, I had my best friend on and we, it was as if no mics were there. It was Mm -hmm. as if no one was ever going to hear this. And I ended up having to cut a bunch of stuff because I was like, oh shit, I'm literally talking about my pussy. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about losing my virginity. Like I'm talking about all these like really (laughs) personal things. And I didn't think about the fact that, oh honey, you could literally Google it now and anyone in the world can just hit a button on their phone. It's built into the interface and hear my story of me losing my virginity above the blockbuster video in Austin <laughs> in 2003. Like it's right there. And, and I didn't even think about that. Um, so, you know, millennials, we overshare it sort of built into our culture now. Right. Uh, but I, I definitely at some point, like I, I have a boundary I have a boundary. I've learned boundaries in therapy. Boundaries are important. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, like I feel like in order to have an authentic experience as a host, I have to infuse what's going on in my life and my own personal experiences. So it's a fine line. Um, But 
so I do have a boundary, believe it or not, but I definitely had to learn that. Yeah. I had to learn that. Yeah. And everyone's are different. I mean, I have friends like my friend Gabby Dunn, you know, she's a podcaster. She's a YouTuber. She is very sharing. I mean, she literally Mm -hmm. shares. There's videos on her YouTube. They're like, let me tell you about my first threesome. And I literally watch them being like, oh my God, this is so interesting, you know? But I've never talked about that on my show. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's 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 about having your own personal boundaries while still, you know, letting people get to know you. But yeah, that doesn't necessarily. But I will say, in my experience, I have people who think that like, you know, you share everything with us. And I was like, Oh, no, Oh, no, no. There is like so much that I I don't talk about, because you know, it involves other people, and it wouldn't be respectful to them. Or I just, quite frankly, don't really want to put it on the internet. You know, but I'm definitely an oversharer. And it's, it's really hard when you're deep in conversation, especially with someone that you click with, or you feel comfortable with. Like, when I had my sister on for the first time, similar to that, I had to cut so much shit because I was like, I can't put this on the internet. Like I, right. I, I can't do it. But, but I will say now, I, I think that some of those things are that I would have maybe thought about cutting. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to keep this in because I think I do the that, same. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's just kind of like, and also like when you build a real relationship, like I think you have with your audience, it's kind of like, I think it makes you feel at ease about sharing these things because you trust these people and they trust you. And there's this kind of mutual trust. Right. And, and, you know, there are other shows and there are other beauty podcasts where they are much more of an editorial view. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like I interview, you know, celebrities or I interview people in the beauty business and I am just uh, here to ask the questions and I don't really get involved. And that is out there. And and Mm -hmm. if you want to hear that, there's a bunch of those and they're Mm -hmm. great. But my show is more about like, it is, it's the intimacy of sort of what self-care is. And it is a very intimate experience. So therefore, I feel like I have to get intimate with my guests and my audience in order to sort of have that authentic experience, because that's what the whole show is based on. Yeah. And and it, it, that's, I think that's why it's like a show that like, I will always listen to because it does come across as that. And there are, you're right, there are so many other beauty podcasts, but I'll be honest, other than yours, I think the only other beauty podcast that I genuinely like is Glowing Up, but it's because the hosts are fucking hilarious. Um, but, you know, other, the other beauty podcasts, I'm like, uh, if I want to read, you know, an interview, I could just, you know, scroll through a website. It just, it's very formal and it's, it's definitely for some people really love that, but I really love how intimate and real yours is and, and you really turn it into like a conversation, which I think is really cool because like we were kind of discussing earlier, we grew up in a time where a lot of these things were very uh, kind of taboo to talk about. It wasn't the norm to talk about, you know, waxing or, or, you know, even having like upper lip hair or like right. all of the shit that, you know, women, you know, when we're young girls, we don't fucking know, you know, there's no guidebook. No one's going to tell we you. We didn't have the internet, which is wild to think about, but we really didn't have the resources to look these things up. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and everyone is so weirdly like ashamed of these things. Right. So then no one is, no one is talking about it and you don't have the resources. And so you just kind of start winging it. And, you know, then you do dumb things like I did where one time I tried to shave my own back. I don't have a hair. Wow. 
I don't have wow. a hairy back, but yeah. I was like, I guess I have like peach fuzz or whatever. And I'm like, I guess I should shave my back. Like, wow. That was, why would you do that? Again, why would you do that? But like, it's because you don't know. You yeah. literally, you don't know. You know what I did one time? I was dyeing my hair and uh, it was dyeing it red. And I got red hair dye all over my face. And I was like, how could I get this off? I start looking through the cabinets. I find a Mr. Clean magic eraser. Oh my God. And I think, oh, this gets rid of everything. I gave myself chemical burns all over my face and I ended up looking it up and it was like, oh, my child did this. It was all children, like children accidentally (laughs) did it. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's me. I'm, you know, I made a mistake. That's and funny. nor I'd like to tell you I was young. I was probably 23 when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even that young. But that's what I'm saying. Like you don't know. You, you don't what, know. There there wasn't this this you know, there weren't people talking about it. There wasn't any information. The internet is it wasn't what it is now. No, we just, didn't have Instagram and YouTube wasn't what it was. I mean, you probably could find some articles, maybe, you know, in our earlier or later teen years, but you know, we didn't have all we had were those fucking magazines. And those magazines were so Honestly, oh, I, I want to go back problematic into- AF in many ways. They're very like heteronormative. Um, uh, you know, they they definitely have like their beauty standards, which are very like you know the stereotypical beauty right. standards, which right. we are now right. reprogramming right. ourselves heavily to fight. Um, and they're all about if you want a guy to fuck you, you better yeah. have white teeth, and you mm-hmm. better you know whatever have your skin be clear, and just all that bullshit. I mean, if I had a dollar for every article I read about how to give a blowjob, oh yeah, just constantly like how to give a blowjob. Do you want to give a blowjob? How to make your man happy? Here's yeah, how to give a blowjob. Where were the articles about how to eat pussy? Right, and that's I don't remember thing. reading those. And and I literally didn't even know that men went down on girls for for a very long time, Jackie. Yeah, because I don't think I did either. Because no one was talking, it just, we we were being fed very specific information, yeah. right? And it wasn't the information that we needed or necessarily even asked for, but yeah. we were just being bombarded with this kind of redundant theme of like, you need to look skinny and tan and make sure your boobs look good and make sure your butt's not too big and uh, make sure that your teeth are really white and then give lots of blowjobs. Like, I mean, I feel like that was the theme of every magazine was just be that. And I, I mean, I would still read them because it was fun and I was bored, but I would just look through it and I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to just suddenly like, you know, get really tan and I don't really want to go to a tanning bed, which now that I think about it, that was a good decision on my part. But, um, but you know, looking through these magazines, it, it, it didn't even kind of relate to what women were experiencing. It was just kind of what they wanted us to experience. Yes. Or, or maybe they thought that's what we wanted or mm-hmm. I don't know where the, you know, miscommunication first hit, but uh, it's wild to look back on all the programming we received. It really is. It was very, very damaging, honestly. Extremely damaging. And, and even, you know, now I still find myself kind of having to unlearn these oh, yeah. very weird things that were ingrained into my head. Like I have older sisters where it's hard for them to eat anything that has like fat in it, I guess. Cause they, they were a part of that fat free kind right. of time where, where everything had to be fat free. Like my sister, 
like, you know, the fact that she eats avocados is insane to her right now. Cause she's like, I would have never touched this because it's Can just you imagine like, avocados are so good for you they're delicious and they're so good for you but because it was this very normal thing like everything has to be fat free don't eat anything with fat in it or else you know what's gonna make you fat right. and if you're fat no one will ever love you and you won't be able to give anyone a blowjob right uh, and you need to be giving blowjobs damn just it constantly um yes, but yeah non-stop yeah i just i really think it's crazy how we have these things that we were told to feel and think and, and unlearning them is this weird process. And then there's this new generation of people who have grown up with the internet and all these things. And they're just like, yeah, I'm just really in touch with my feelings. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they also have really good eyebrows. Such good eyebrows. And, and they very didn't ruin their eyebrows like I did. And I know nor you did not do that. And I'm proud of you for that. But the younger generation, I'm telling you, like, they're just more thoughtful, they're mm-hmm. more empathetic, mm-hmm. they're more accepting, mm-hmm. and they're going to cure the world of all its issues. I'm going to sit back and be like, please, Gen X, help us. I mean, Gen Z, help us yeah. out. Help us out. Honestly, and and I, I will say, you know, you sharing kind of the information, because I remember when you got your eyebrows microbladed, and then I remember you talking about how you know, you kind of hated the way it looked after kind of the remnants. And do you know how many people I have deterred from getting their eyebrows microbladed based off of you sharing your experience about how it's like the color bleeds and it actually never really kind of goes away and how it's sold to you as this thing that's like temporary, but it's like kind of like a prison tattoo. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I always love a conflicting opinion on attribute. Um, I love that. And sometimes I get messages like, Hey, you literally said this. And then two episodes later you said this, but it's right. my guest. So I had on a woman who actually did my eyebrow microblading and a ton of people got it done and loved it. And then I had on a woman who is in the other side of the business, she makes her living off of shaping people's eyebrows. So she was very against microblading. Mm-hmm. And I did get a few messages like, Hey, I thought you said you liked it. And I'm like, listen, I interview people, they have dueling opinions. And I think it's important to put all the information out there for people. Um, but yes, I got microblading done very early. It mm-hmm. was in 2016. And they are still on my eyebrows four years later. And I just want to put that out there that it is absolutely not temporary. It is giving yourself a tattoo on your face. And if that's cool with you, do it. But if that scares you, don't do it. Um, because I I don't know if I necessarily will use the word I completely regret doing it. I do like the shape and it has completely changed my face for the better. My eyebrows were bad. So I think it helped them. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. It your eyebrows are good. It would last this long. I probably wouldn't have done it. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like a lack of transparency, which is why I appreciate when someone like you is like, Hey, I did this. I'm not saying that I hate it, but I just wish someone would have fucking told me. This is what you're signing up for, honey, because I did not know that. And honestly, I don't think my friend who did my eyebrows knew that. That, that, No one knows that. You are the only person who I've heard say that. Like genuinely, no one knows that. Right. I mean, I, I feel like we're breaking news right now because I remember you telling me it and and it's something that I had considered before because I wanted to make my brows fuller, but it just wasn't like, you know, on the top of my priority list. It was like one of those things like, oh, maybe I would do it. I don't know. Who can say? And, you know, and then I remember hearing you talk about it and how you liked it. And I was like, oh shit, maybe I'll do it. And then, you know, then hearing that it is permanent, I'm like, I don't know that I can commit to that. I, I, 
I can barely commit to, you know, a fragrance. I don't know that I can commit to how I want my brows to look forever. Um, Yeah, yeah. it is not temporary. (laughs) Absolutely not. I mean, it's just, it's so crazy to me that it's being sold as a a temporary thing when it's literally not a temporary thing. That's, I don't even know how they're really getting away with doing that. I feel like that seems like not like an okay thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I think like the woman, so the woman I'm talking about is Kelly Baker, who does the Kardashian women's eyebrows and Zendaya's eyebrows and Cardi B's eyebrows. I mean, she literally does every gorgeous, stunning, powerful woman she does her brows and she was like, if there is a blade involved, it will be permanent. So just know that because they they do do this thing called feathering now, which I'm not exactly sure the application, but I think that is a little less permanent. But if there is a blade involved, they're literally giving you a prison tattoo. They're slicing your skin, pouring pigment in it. Your skin is healing with it in it as a tattoo. So just know that if they pull a blade out, honey, be ready for a commitment. Listen, I mean, I, I just, I, I want to, I want to, you know, just t- tell every woman I can that. Cause I just feel like you, that's a trick. You're tricking people, not you, yeah, but like, you know, you just got to know what you're signing up for. Right. 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 So yeah, if they pull out a blade in, in general, if you're in a situation where someone pulls out a blade, maybe ask questions. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Good rule of thumb. Good rule of keep, thumb. Just to keep in mind, someone pulls out a blade, you ask a question like, Hey, yeah, like, what's hey, the- hey, 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 what are you doing with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, let let me know what the blade is for. Um, but yeah, I I think it's really kind of cool how you you know you you share all these things. You're super informative. You're fun. You're I mean, I watched your um, drunk history episode, and I'm telling you, I like you would have thought that I gave birth to you. I was so fucking excited. <laughs> you would have thought that I was your mother. Cause I just, you grow to love someone when you listen to them all the time. And I was just like, Oh my God, Jackie's on drunk history. This is so fucking cool. Oh my God. And just telling everyone, watch it. Oh my God. It's so good. And, and it's, it, you really have, um, you're like the, the podcast America's podcast sweetheart. I would say I really, Oh my God. I just can I use that. You can, you can add it to your beauty talk, shock, jock, queen of cream, uh, host with the most serums. Like I, I really wanted to say that in the beginning, but I was like, I know I'm going to fuck it up. But genuinely, every time you do it, I'm just like, amazing applause. So good. Um, I mean, listen, sh- if you want to talk about how about my podcast all day, I'll listen because <laughs> I don't really get a lot of user feedback. So I'm, I'm here for this. Well, my feedback is all positive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, I love, you know, your whole kind of um, approach to beauty and kind of self-care and everything. Because I feel like it isn't just this one thing. It is, it's so many things. And, and something that I, I really honestly, like, um, I, I really respected you for, for when you kind of spoke about how you were going through a divorce, because I think that, you know, even in 2020, there is still a stigma around divorce, which is insane to me. And I think that you speaking about it and you kind of sharing it with, with everyone and also not really kind of making it seem like, Oh yeah, it's totally fucking fine. Like you, you were very honest and you were real about it. And you, you, you really shared that with um, your audience, which I think was really brave and amazing for you to do. And I just, I really want to know, like, if that was something that you, did you think that you were going to share that? Or was that something that you didn't think you were going to talk about? Or did you kind of know, or did you just kind of play it by ear? 
Well, I'll be the first to say that when I used to see like YouTubers, you know, with their like crying, I'm getting a divorce videos, I would be the first person to like judge them and their marriage. <laughs> like, because I was just like, oh, you always are putting it on display. And like, and, and it, and I was just like, oh, like I felt mm-hmm. bad for them. Mm-hmm. And, it just, mm-hmm. and, and then when my own marriage fell apart, um, and I was honestly not expecting it. Yeah. I did not know what I was going to do. I was like, I feel like I've talked about my marriage. It's so important to me. I've had, I've had my husband on my show a few times. Mm -hmm. Like I was just like, I feel like if I now come out and say my marriage was bad, it's ending. I feel like a phony. I feel like I've been, I feel like I didn't even know my marriage was bad. So like for me to now tell everybody that it was bad after presenting it as is such a good thing. I felt really, I was like, everyone's going to think I'm a fucking phony. And then I was like, Oh God, they're not going to want to listen to me because they're going to think I'm like this failure or something. And I kept it off the air for a while, like four months ish. And everyone is so astute. They could all tell something was going on. Um, it didn't hurt that I erased every photo of my ex-husband off my Instagram. <laughs> and people are noticing that shit. You right, know, people are right. noticing I didn't have my wedding ring on. Like people are not idiots. Yeah. Um, but after we filed for divorce, I felt comfortable enough to share. Mm-hmm. And I honestly like wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. I figured if people stop listening, people stop listening. But this show is about me. It's about my self-care. It's about my journey as a woman, as a person. So I felt like I should share it and I'm so happy that I did because I got more messages than I've ever received for anything from women all over the world, from all over the world. I was getting messages. And that's one thing that I feel like everyone puts on a brave face. You hardly ever see somebody's real pain and you really hardly ever see them laughing with their pain Mm -hmm. and sort of processing their pain and the steps of grief and, that's something that I didn't realize at the time, but a lot of people came to me like, I've never heard anybody talk about divorce like this. I've never mm-hmm. heard anybody sort of express what they're going through like this. A declaration of power, mm-hmm. but also still acknowledging how sad and horrible this is. Um, and that's one of like my proudest moments as a podcaster was just navigating that whole situation. And and like I said, I mean, I I felt very kind of proud of you because I can't imagine how difficult it is to be vulnerable in that way. And, but you really did kind of, you were like, Hey, listen, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. And, and, you know, you would kind of do these kind of updates where, well, you do like an intro before where you just kind of talk alone and you would kind of update everyone on kind of where you were at. And then I saw so much growth happen in that time frame, and and even the way you you spoke in your podcasts in a, in a positive way. I think you just there was this kind of shift where like you could just tell that you were becoming a happier version of you, which is also right. amazing. You know what I mean? Because you know you go through this painful thing, and and you know you don't know how it's going to turn out, or you know what's going to happen, and it's you know hard and it's sad, and you're angry and you're feeling all these emotions. But then 
for that to turn into growth and then that turn into bettering yourself, I think is such an amazing example for so many young women to like listen to that and see how you were processing it, see how you were handling it, see how you were giving yourself grace to feel what you need to feel and not feel embarrassed or ashamed of those feelings that you were experiencing and let yourself kind of let it all out. This episode of Arab American Psycho is sponsored by The Doe. The Doe is a digital publication sharing anonymous stories to promote civil disclosure and provides a platform to lesser-known, often marginalized stories. The Doe publishes unfiltered narratives from verified anonymous sources, drawing attention to a broad spectrum of viewpoints that encourage readers to confront their own biases. Every month, The Doe explores new themes. November's theme is Acts of Kindness, which I think we can all agree we need now more than ever. I know this year has taken a toll on me, and it's sometimes nice to be reminded that there's still some good in this world. I came across a narrative titled How a Tiny Token of Humanity Showed Me Anyone Can Improve the World, and I really wanted to share it with you all. This narrative is about how an unexpected encounter with a pebble, yes, a pebble, (laughs) changed the author's outlook during this COVID-19 pandemic that we're currently living through. I don't want to spoil this narrative for you, but there's a paragraph I really wanted to share. The author writes, the smallest gestures can have the greatest impact on somebody's day. At a time when everyone is struggling, it's all the more important to help those around us, even strangers. I'm not suggesting we go around showering people with the gift of painted pebbles, but a smile, a short phone call, or a neighborly good morning as we walk by could warm people more than we imagine. I honestly felt really inspired after reading this, and I encourage you to read the rest of this narrative as well as any of the other amazing narratives available on the Doe's website. I've linked this narrative in the episode notes, but you can also visit thedoe.com. That's T-H-E-D-O-E, like a female deer, dot com to read more. Thank you so much to the Doe for sponsoring this episode. Now back to the conversation. Oh, well, thank you for that. Um you know, a lot of it was therapy. I had never been in therapy my entire life. I was 34 years old. I had never been. And it was one of those things where like, I literally almost went and like wanted to, but never fully did because it was one of those things where I was like, if I open this box, who Mm -hmm. knows what's going to come out. And that's a Mm -hmm. terrifying feeling. I think that's also why I was stayed in my relationship for so long, you know? we sort of settle into survival mode. We sort of settle into, well, this is my life. I'm going to deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And once I opened up that box, it was very fucking painful, honey. Okay. I'm not going to lie to y'all, but we are resilient Queens and Kings. We are resilient and we can handle it. I promise you, you can handle it. So you have to open that box up. And when the happiness, when the, when the sadness dropped out of the bottom of my life, the ceiling for my happiness rose exponentially with it. And literally, I think when everyone was saying like, you seem so much happier, even my dad, like my dad was like, you seem so much happier. And I was like, yeah, I'm a different person now. I've felt horrific pain. And if you feel horrific pain, you now can feel extreme joy. And I did not know that the two were correlated so closely, but they are. They, I, I really firmly believe in that. And I think that it's, it's hard to remind yourself of that, obviously, when you're experiencing that pain, because, you know, you're just like, I can't imagine ever not feeling this amount of pain. But when you get past it, there really is this room to make that shift to just 
being the happiest version of yourself. And I know that you said you went to therapy, but what, what else did you do to kind of cope with the ending of, you know, your marriage? Well, I mean, that was the biggest thing. I remember I was on the ground. I was on the ground of my apartment and I was just like, I laid there for hours. I didn't drink water. I didn't, I just laid there and I was like, what am I going to do? I have to call every person in my life and tell them that my marriage is over. I have to tell them, Hey, remember that wedding you went to that you spent all that money? It didn't work out. I have to, I have to like humiliate myself. I have to call my parents. I have to call my father Mm -hmm. and tell him. And, and it was so hard, but I was like, this is the only option I have. I'm, you know, I'm obviously going to keep going here. So it was very hard, but I knew that I could get through it. And, and that's something that I didn't know. I knew <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't know. I knew that about myself. Yeah. I didn't know I had that resilience. I didn't know I had that strength in me, but I did. And honestly, a lot of it had been suppressed and manipulated mm-hmm. and hidden mm-hmm. from my relationship, but I didn't know that at the time, you know? So what all did I do? I did all kinds of crazy, like eat, pray, love shit. Hell you know, yeah. I like got my belly button pierced. I like, <laughs> went to, I went to Hawaii and swam with sharks. Like I was literally like, I'm a kooky divorce lady, honey, bring it on. What can yeah. I do? You know, I was doing all that shit. And I think it was wonderful and powerful, but truly the therapy was the best thing I ever did. And I got, I went in, honey, I went in and it's crazy because I'd be like, Oh, oh, like Mm -hmm. just connecting the dots to my life and childhood shit and like past relationship traumas and like it all came together. And I saw things for the first time in my life so clearly. And I said, oh, so it's okay that I made all these mistakes, but now I can do the work to not do them again. And I right. didn't, I did, I was determined, Nor. I was determined. <laughs> I, I was like, you. red flags are being called out. I'm not going to pretend they're not there. I'm not going to let them gaslight me over. I'm going to fucking call them out. I'm not going to let anybody treat me like that again. I'm going to get through this, honey. And did I ever, did I you, ever. You really did. And honestly, I mean, I'm telling you, Jackie, like I, that, I'm telling you the, the the growth and the way I've seen you move on in in a healthy way cuz I think that a lot of times people don't give themselves that space to realize and to grow and to unpack and to and to recognize you know things about themselves that maybe were suppressed because of x y and z reason or yes. things about their partner that maybe were damaging to them and they didn't realize it at the time and it's like okay well I want to make sure going forward I don't want my partner to have those habits or whatever because they hurt me and that's not good and I don't want to be in that situation and I think as women we're, we're these strong, strong individuals, right? Women are so strong. Yes. And I think how it fucks us over a little bit is we are so strong that we're able to deal with and put up with a oh, lot yeah. of shit, oh, which yeah. is detrimental when you let it cross boundaries. And it's like, okay, how do I know where that boundary line is. You know what I mean? Like, how do I know when I'm being, when I'm compromising or when I'm just fully like allowing myself to be like manipulated and, and taken advantage of? 
100%. I mean, I feel like, again, uh, the the patriarchy, these are things that are instilled in us early on. I mean, even in those magazines, like sucking the dicks in those magazines, Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. we are taught to settle. Mm -hmm. We are Mm -hmm. taught to make ourselves smaller. Yes. We are. Those are, these are things we are told. And I was a victim of all of that, just my upbringing and all that. So I always just went along with that. And, um, it ain't okay, hon. You don't have to put up with that shit. You deserve to be happy. Nor you listen to Nashville. I say it all the time. You deserve to be happy. And I didn't even know I wasn't happy. Isn't it crazy that like in those moments, you think that you're happy. Like you convince yourself I'm happy. And like, some right. like, and, and if anyone were to say otherwise, you'd be like, fuck you. No, I'm happy. Look how happy I am. I'm but telling like, you. It, it's crazy. It's really wild. And, and I, it's so funny. Like when I was telling everybody in my life, you know, oh, um, you know, we're getting a divorce. A lot of people would be like, oh, you know what? Oh my God. I never liked him or, you know, and, and part of me is like, or, or I could tell you weren't happy. I could see it in your eyes. And I'd be like, I feel like I've been wearing like an ugly, itchy sweater for eight mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I went, people were like, Jackie looks really uncomfortable in that sweater. Mm-hmm. Like it just really is kind of suffocating her. Like she looks itchy and uncomfortable in that sweater. It does not look good on her. And then I walk out of the room without it on. And people are like, thank God you took off that fucking sweater, mm-hmm. honey. What were you mm-hmm. thinking with the sweater? <laughs> and I was just like, did nobody tell me I looked bad in the sweater? But then I was like, oh no, people tried to tell me. But it's one of those things that you have to realize it on your own. You People can tell you all day yeah. long. Yeah. You need to, you need to come to that conclusion on your own because trust me, I mean, I've had my sister tell me, Hey, I hate that fucking sweater. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, I love this sweater. You know what I mean? Like, and right. then you realize like, no, pretty sure you fucking hated the sweater. You just, you, you convinced yourself that you had invested a lot of money in that sweater. Right. So you're going to make yourself love the fucking sweater. Yes. Yes. And, and and there are other sweaters that can make you very happy where oh, you don't you don't you don't need to be deal with the itchiness. It could be comfy, it could be cashmere. Yes. That's what I'm saying. There's plenty of sweaters and there's one that'll fit you way better and make you way happier. I mean, and or, I, guess what, Nor? Or don't wear a sweater at all. I'm not wearing a sweater right now. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> you don't need, if you don't want a sweater, don't get one. That's even more beautiful. And that's, that's something that I wanted to talk to you about because, you know, you, I, I, I've never been married before, but I've been in long-term relationships where, you know, you, you have this trauma and you have these red flags that you now know to look out for and you're smarter and you've grown and, and you've done the work and all of that. But how, how were, how did you navigate kind of, um, you know, moving on and, and, and kind of you know, dating and, and relationships and all that. Like how, how did you kind of approach that? Well, I, I moved on. I would say I would consider it quick. Um, and there were a couple of reasons for that, but one of them is because when I was on the ground, I really assessed my life. And I said mm-hmm. to myself, I want a family and I'm, I am crying now in case you get here. Oh my God. I I was like, I want a family. And I wanted one for years, but I knew deep in me that like this wasn't the right choice. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I didn't do that 
because that would have made things more complicated. Mm -hmm. Now, if anyone's listening and you're unhappy and you do have kids, my mom did it. A lot of people's moms, a lot of people's dads do it. So like, don't let that stop you because you do deserve happiness and you can make it work. But I was like, I'm unencumbered. I'm 34. And I was like, I'm in the most Asia city in the world. Mm -hmm. I have to start over now. What if nobody wants me? Like, that's literally what I was thinking. And, but I said, I want a family. I've always wanted a family. I want to be a mom. And I unfortunately don't have five years of leisure time now. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. like, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm on a fucking mission. Like I was like, I'm ready and I'm going to turn my life around and I need to find somebody and and I'm going to do it. And my advice for anyone out there, if you are starting over, quote unquote, um, sort of turning a new leaf in your life, especially if you're a little older, if you are in your 30s, 40s plus, look where you've already been. And I don't mean dating exes. Look, <laughs> go on Thank your you Facebook. Thank you for clarifying. Listen, go on your Facebook. Pull up your Facebook friends and start looking because I guarantee you there has been somebody in your life this whole time. Maybe it's a friend from high school. Maybe it's somebody that you used to work with. Maybe they've gone through a divorce. Maybe they have kids too. Maybe they're on their, maybe now they've gone through a lot of shit. They've done a lot of work on themselves and they're ready. Go look through your people. Your person might already be around. And that's something, because I feel like we're always like, get on the app, swipe, find mm-hmm. the new guy, find mm-hmm. new people. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're already around. Because yep. my my guy, who I'm now engaged to, was already there. I had known him for seven years. Uh, but just acquaintance, acquaintance yeah. level. And I had always, I'll be honest, thought he was real cute. You know, and I always was very fond of him as a person, mm-hmm. but I didn't know him that well. And uh I saw I saw his little face and I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. He's, he's got a good face. He's got a great face. And yeah. and you know, we clicked. And at first I was like, okay, I'm a I'm a kooky divorce lady. I'm seeing things that aren't real because I want something desperately to be there because I want, you know, to move on and be happy. And I was like talking to my therapist and she was like, no, listen, the work you're doing right now is reinvigorating the instincts mm-hmm. that you were ignoring for all those mm-hmm. years. So follow it. Be safe. Obviously, if you see a red flag, call it out, stay in therapy. But like, no, you're on the right track. And again, everyone was telling me you look happy. Like, oh my God, people were saying on attribute, I seemed happier, blah, blah, And it just honestly clicked. And as a person who has been married, I've had long-term relationships. I'm like, oh no, this is what it's supposed to feel like. I was like, oh, 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 this is what people talk about. Yeah. Oh, this is what those songs are written about. Like, this mm-hmm. is it. This is powerful. So I'm like uh, smiling so like so fucking hard right now because I I again, just as like a third party observing, I'm like, I can tell that you have found the person for you because you had been on your podcast before on your Instagram stories. And I see the way you guys interact with each other. And I see the way you speak about him and the way he speaks about you. And I'm just like, this is good. Like, this is not, this isn't a front. This isn't an anything like this. This is good. They, these are people who found each other that they're supposed to be together because they, they very clearly adore each other. And, and, and it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, did you feel like you were kind of doubting it? Like it was too good to be true? Yes. 
Oh yeah. I, I, I kept checking in with him about it, mm-hmm. which again, you know, as, as women, a lot of times we're told to be coy. We're told mm-hmm. to not, you know, play, we're told to play all these fucking games. Right. And again, I was like, I don't have any time to waste. So the whole way through, I kept being like, okay, so you want a relationship, right? You want children, you want a family, you want a marriage, you, you know, I'd be but like, that's smart. You're communicating what you want. Like, yes, what are and you guess gaining what? by being coy? Yeah. And he was on board. Like if you were with somebody and they're like, no, I don't want to talk about that. I, uh, you know what, honey? I don't know. Be careful because mm-hmm. you just, if you're in your late, you know, later thirties or whatever, and you do want children, these are things that we have to talk about. I mean, I have friends who are older than me and they're in relationships and they're like, well, I don't bring it up because he gets really mad. And I'm like, Oh, that's, you just got, you know, and yeah. I mean, and honestly, that's sort of how my old relationship was. And I, and I put up with it because after a while you just get tired. You, know? we get, you get tired. And then also like, you know, again, as women, we are very adaptable, which is great. Yes. But also again, can really fuck us over because we're like, I guess this is what will make things easier. So yes. let me just adapt because yes. I don't want conflict. You know, yes. I want this to be easier for the both of us, even though it is taking away from your happiness. But I think as women, we can we can be content with oh, yeah. whatever we convince ourselves to be content. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we really are like, we have very powerful minds and we are very, very good at tricking ourselves. Um, and we're survivors and And that's what it is. It's like, if you, how, what do you do to survive? You shut off certain instincts, Mm -hmm. you know, you put up with things that you really shouldn't be putting up with. And, and it's honestly comes down to you deserve to be happy. And it was one of those things that I was just like, I guess this is it. I guess this is what I deserve. And I guess this is what I've signed up for. And And I, and I was, I put up with that for a long time. A lot of us have, I have, I mean, I think back to, you know, staying with one of my exes and I'm just like, Oh my God, like how I think I'm an intelligent person. I think that I'm a confident person. What in God's name made me do that? And, and And initially I think our instinct is to be hard on ourselves about it. Like you're so fucking dumb. Why did you do that? But right. it's, it's, it's not done. It's, it's like you said, it's, you go into survival mode and, and you're kind of just in this situation where you're like, maybe you make excuses and you, and, 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 it, and before you know it, you just start kind of, uh, giving in and giving up and just trying to make things easier for everyone. Right. And, and that's what your life yeah. goes by year after year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause know? like you said, you're like, I don't want to have to tell my mom. I don't want to have to tell my friends, my dad. I don't want to, you don't want to have to deal with all that because society has made it into this thing where it's like, you're a failure. Be ashamed of yourself. But no, right. I don't think it's a failure. I think that it is a human experience and you took a leap of faith and you gave something a shot and you were brave enough to realize this isn't, this isn't right for me. Right. And I'm going to find what's right for me. And, you know, it's so, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, wanting to start a family with someone. If you kind of feel like this isn't someone you want to start a family with, that's, that's a really good place to start and realizing whether or not you want to stay in that relationship because and you're going to be involved you, we put in up other with people. Shit. 
we mm-hmm. put up with shit. Like just looking at like my dog, like as you know, because you listen to my show, like my yeah. dog is my best friend and I've had her for 11 years. And she's just so cute. And my, my ex, like he would never take care of the dog ever. He wouldn't offer to help me. Even when I was like bent over backwards trying to juggle all these things, I would sometimes be like, hey, can you please walk her? And he would look at me like I asked him to like go to Egypt and that get me a glass so of water. Angry. That makes and, me so angry. You know, and I put up with it. And I was like, you know what? If I have a kid with him, I know I'm going to be taking care of it by myself. Mm-hmm. I just knew. I was like, mm-hmm. but I'm mm-hmm. tough and I can handle it. And that's it is what it is. Literally, that's what I thought. And, 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 and it shouldn't have to be that way. It should no. be a partnership. It should be, you're a team. You're working together. Yes. You're helping each other out. You want to see each other thrive, not be fucking stressed out. Like now who's going to walk my dog? Now I, I, I have to stress myself out to make sure this gets done. Yeah. I'm telling you, I put up with so much shit and it's truly just because I didn't know I deserved better. And being with a partner now who is um, obsessed with me in a, he in a healthy way. Yeah. And vice versa, but I'm just like, oh wow, no, I am a great partner. Yeah. Like I'm a catch. You are. You really, really are. And it's and it's it's one of those things where when again, when you're in that situation, when a relationship ends, you you worry, you're like, is anyone else gonna want me? But like, no, no. It's it's more like, is anyone else like lucky enough exactly to to have me because I'm fucking great and I'm strong and I'm all of these amazing things. And it's, it's, you know, we are kind of trained to just kind of deal with it. And, and, and what's the word I I literally, it's the easiest word. I I don't know what I'm looking at the, you know, when you just kind of settle, settle, settle. Yeah. You're, you're told to just kind of be grateful that he like opens a fucking door for you. I remember I dated this guy and, and that was my number one thing that I would brag about him. Like he always opens doors for me. Like what the fuck? That's not enough. Like I can open doors. I have hands. Like that shouldn't be my go-to good quality about him. You know what I mean? There should be more than just door opening. Um, my ex, I never touched a doorknob mm-hmm, in eight years. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and you, you fixate on these few little good things here and there, you know, and, and you try to, you try to tell yourself that that's enough. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's honestly cycles of abuse, like a thousand percent. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a domestic violence counselor for five years and I remember looking at the cycle of violence while I was in this relationship. And I mean, he wasn't violent towards me, but there were these elements of like emotional abuse. Oh Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, it was more subtle, but they were very much there. I mean, manipulation is emotional abuse. Yes. And whether or not the person realizes that they're manipulating you is neither here nor there. If they are manipulating you, whether it's malicious or intent or not, they are still being manipulative. And that is no good. Yes. Like whether or not they're intentionally, because because that's the other thing. It's like sometimes you're like, I don't think they're intentionally manipulating me, whether that's true or not still super fucked up. Yeah, of course. And honestly, like I lacked the language and the mm-hmm. skills to acknowledge and be able to recognize that. Right. Right. And it's again, it, if if the magazines we grew up with had that oh, type of information, how to spot a sociopath. <laughs> you know, uh are you being abused? Like Right. Uh, those would have been helpful articles. Also, Super like, helpful. Also, like, hey, you want to get a credit card? Let me tell you oh, what to look out God. for. Like, these are things that we could learn 
These are things that would have helped us. Those magazines were like, hey, how to give a blowjob. Really, they should have been like, hey, do you want to be, how to, how to cut toxic relationships out of your life mm-hmm. and that it's mm-hmm. okay to do so. What I, I would have read that. And I really think that, I don't know if it was like a situation where, again, it's the patriarchy fucking over women, but I'm like, I wonder what men's magazines were telling them. Cause I doubt they were telling you, you know, how to, how to make a woman orgasm or like how to be the tannest skinniest version of yourself. I mean, like I I remember, (laughs) do you remember, um, Maxim? Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Lots of girls in bikinis. Oh yeah. It was horrible. It was like the man show, Mm -hmm. you know? I remember there was an article. I was at a guy's house and I like opened it up and it was like, how to get the girl you slept with to make you breakfast before she leaves. What the actual fuck? Like, I'm telling you. So they what had their the own shit. Fuck? Men had their own shit too. Oh my God. That's just, the, I mean, I, I believe Men it 100%. have to do the yeah. work because they received bad messaging too. And mm-hmm. so they have to do the work too. And I'm not saying to give up on somebody because if you are with a person who is genuinely like, wow, I want to be better and right. they start doing the work on themselves. Fabulous. That's wonderful. But you be know? careful of the men who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. So if a man tells you, I promise I'm going to be better. And then you see that they're not better. And this is a reoccurring theme. It's safe to say they're not actually trying. A hundred percent. And they're just trying to say things to pacify you for the, you know, for the time being. So you shut the fuck up. Exactly. Which again, I've been guilty of it because you want to hope for the best. You want to hope that this person you love and care about is the person you want them to be, but they're showing you something different. And I think Don Draper said this on Mad Men. It's when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Yes. Did I just quote Mad Men? I did. I really did. (laughs) I mean, I listen, it's a very well-written show. It's so good. It's also so dark. I love it. Um, Yes. I did want to ask you though, like, what were some qualities about Ben that you were like, this, this is a, this is a good guy. Like this is the guy for me. Well, number one, he's not a narcissist. Love that. He's not ageist. Love that too. Um, <laughs> you know, like, but I think just, he can't get enough of me yeah. and he can't get enough of the real me. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times as women, And, you know, I'm like a comedy chick and I have a deep voice and I'm, you know, it's like all these things that like I sort of was afraid to reveal to partners because I was like, I don't want them to like be unattracted to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so again, after hitting, you know, essentially what I consider a rock bottom of my personal life, I was like, I'm going to go into this authentic as fuck and I'm not going to hide anything. I mean, I'm not going to like overshare on the first right, date and right. like, you know, but I'm going to be a hundred percent genuinely me and not be worried about what he thinks about me. And I think honestly, it's the first time I ever did that. And he literally was like, you're the funniest person I've ever met. I and, mean, honestly, for a guy to say that, cause I mean, you're a funny you're a funny lady. How many times in life have guys tried to make you feel like you're not as funny as oh, you Oh, yeah, are? of course. Oh, yeah, like, of course. So for a guy to say that, it's unfortunate that that's like a, oh, my God. But but guys really don't want to tell women that they're funny. It's like this oh, yeah. weird fucking thing. Like, they just want to believe that women are not funny for some fucking reason. It's like, the funniest people I know are all women, actually. So that's right. Weird. I mean, you had, you had me cry laughing on my show. <laughs> I haven't had a I man do, do that. 
and then I have to actually cry on my show. Just yeah. Listen, I'm a Scorpio. It's Scorpio season. You know what? We're emotional and we love it. Feel your feelings. Feel the feelings, but also just you know he was he said things to me no one ever said. Yeah. He was like, "You are going to be worth a billion dollars." He's like, "He believed in you." Yeah, and I was like, "What a concept." I mean, truly, I don't think anyone has ever supported me more in my life. And that is fact. And and I think that there are, you know, so many different ways you can support someone. But like, it seems as though like, it's not something that you had to ask for of him. It was just something that he gave to you because he cares about you. So he wants to support you. And I think a lot of times the support that women receive from men is because they they ask for it. And so they're put in the situation. Well, well, you asked me for the support. So I guess I'll do it reluctantly. But right. he, I mean, he was, uh, came on your show multiple times during the pandemic when you were kind of still figuring out what direction the podcast was going to take in. And I know a lot of guys who would not fucking do that. Like who would just think like, I'm not going to come on your fucking podcast and, and I'm not going to do that. Like, no, fuck no. Like, I, I don't want to do that. But like, he was amazing. And he, he really, really did support you. And I, and you saying that to me, I'm like, yeah, that adds up. Cause I mean, that's the vibe he gave off is super supportive. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have no complaints <laughs> other than I would say time management isn't his strong suit. Hey, we all have our, our, you know, our, uh, flaws. And time management isn't the worst. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, no notes. I mean, I I, I really, really, really am truly happy for you. And I, I can't wait to see like photos of you in your uh, wedding dress and stuff. But I wanted to, to touch on this. So you converted to Judaism. I'm in the process, yes. Okay, you're in the process. What kind of... What made you want to make that decision? I've actually never spoken to someone who has converted to Judaism. So I'm genuine or is converting to Judaism. So I'm really interested in, you know, what kind of inspired that and, you know, um, what that experience has been like for you. I love this question. And I have not talked about this on my show. So I love a, I love a segue. Yeah. So I never met a Jewish person until college. Wow. So I grew up in like, you know, uh, a kind of a rural suburb of Dallas. And I literally never met a Jewish person until college. So, but once I did, I was very interested. Mm-hmm. And I went on dates with a few Jewish men and, you know, dated a few of them in my 20s. And I just was really fascinated and in awe of a lot of the traditional values. And I was just really curious about it Mm -hmm. and really admired it. And then cut to many years later, I'm on my first date with Ben and I say, well, I'm willing to convert on our first date. I say that (laughs) was I coming on a little strong. You could argue. Yes. And he was like, you know, listen, we'd love to have you. And Throughout our courtship, you know, I went with him to a Seder. I'd never been to one before. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most favorite things I did last year. I've never in my life been at a table with all family, everybody singing together, laughing, having arguments, you know, kind of debating things. And and it was just powerful. And I said, I love this. And 
Then we discussed at some point, because again, we keep everything real, you know, chill, wanting to have kids. I was like, do you want to have Jewish children? He said he does. And I was just like, well, then I want to be a part of it. That's all it really came down to. It was just, I, I, I know a lot of families, um, you know, are, what's the word, like multi-secular. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wonderful. But I was just like, to me, if I say to my kids, okay, you're going to go to synagogue and I'm going to stay here and pray to Jesus, y'all mm-hmm. don't believe in him, but I do. <laughs> I feel like that would just be confusing to children. And I wanted right. a united front. I wanted right. to be able to be a part of their experience. And that was honestly it. Nobody asked me to, nobody pressured mm-hmm. me to. Um, well, in Judaism, you can't even like, um, I, to my understanding, you can't like as a Jew go tell someone like, come join us. Like apparently, oh, I, right. I feel like yeah. that's not they a don't, thing. They don't do outreach. Right, right, right. They don't do outreach. So yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you have to like, you have to like really want it to be like a yes. part of it. Yes. Um, but honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to drop you a pretty kooky thing and I feel like oh you're going to be okay with it. Oh, I want to hear it. I really want to fucking hear it. <laughs> so I have now had two different psychics and this is within two different, even time periods of my life. Tell me doing like past life regression shit Mm -hmm. that I was alive during Egyptian times. Whoa. And I always assumed that I was Egyptian, but while I was reading some of my Jewish materials, once you convert, you are considered to be at Mount Sinai while, you know, Moses is reading the commandments and the Israelites are all there and they're, you know, and I'm like, Oh shit, I was Jewish. I was there. shit. I was there. So while I was all this whole time, I was like, oh, I lived in Egypt. I must have been like, I don't want to Cleopatra's bitches or something. <laughs> no, I was an Israelite. I was Jewish in Egypt. And this is why in this life, I'm making that choice. And I also feel that I was with Ben on that, on that rock mm-hmm. in that life. I mean, honestly, that's really really cool and also crazy that two different psychics told you the same thing and like just the kind of the the path that you took to kind of connect it all together I mean it makes perfect sense to me I 100% now believe that you were there thank you you know I I thought of all people you would respect and appreciate that because I'm a kooky LA lady you know you were there we do do past life regressions we do Reiki healing we do all kinds of shit out here you know, I dabble in kooky shit, but again, you got to remember, I don't have an Erewhon near me, so I'm limited in my resources. Right. I'm just, I'm trying to be, make the most of what I have around me. I'm just putting, you know, chlorophyll in my water and stuff like that. Right. You know, just well, you know doing, what? doing once, what I can. Once we can travel, everybody's yeah. safe. You got to come out here and we'll go do some Reiki or like, who oh, knows? Yes. I want to do a sound bath in Erewhon Market. Is oh, that a thing? I are think we, we are, can arrange that. that. They probably that have happening? a pop-up one every three hours. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I, when I tell people in Florida the shit that they're like, what? And I was like, here, listen, I follow way too many people who are fucking in LA doing all types of wild shit. And what can I say? I'm influenced by what they do because if it's something that's going to make you feel good or help you understand yourself better, who's it hurting? What's the problem? What's the problem? 
I like, completely agree. Listen, I mean, uh, can I appreciate a good horoscope joke? Yeah, but I just, it's not for me. It's not something I'm interested in, but I have, everyone else, you do you. That's cool. But like, I just don't care enough. And also my mom, it tells me I was born at different times every fucking time I ask her. So I don't know what to believe. Okay. I genuinely I can't get my chart straight, even if I wanted it. Yeah. Like I literally don't know what to believe. Like every time it's a different story, you were born at midnight. And then the next day, Oh no, you were born at like nine in the morning. And I'm like, lady, you, I think are confusing your children like a hundred percent because I have this written down on my phone and, uh, it's, it's not, it's not adding up, but yeah, I think that it's, it's really interesting to me that like, you know, I, I think the idea of like converting to religions just in general is it's, it's one of those things that like, if you make that decision for yourself, like you weren't even, you weren't born into it, right? Like this is a decision that you were consciously making. That to me really speaks kind of like volumes about, you know, how you feel about that religion. Cause I think a lot of times people are born into these religions and they just kind of go along with it. And it's just kind of like, you know, this whatever thing and they, you know, might feel really connected to it. They might not, but I think it's really cool when people, you know, decide on their own like hey listen i i'm gonna make a change and i'm gonna join this religion and i'm gonna make this a part of my life in a way that you know works with what i want it to and i think it's really cool and i'm i want to what is it should i say mazel tov shalom yeah i'll take it that works for me (laughs) both baby (laughs) i'm like uh i'm trying to think of any word i know in hebrew like literally anything um but no, I, I'm really, I'm really happy that, you know, you came on and that, you know, we, we were able to connect because I mean, if you couldn't tell, I, I'm a, I'm a fucking fan of you. So, I mean, listen, I'm a fan of you now. I feel like we really clicked and like, there's so much more to discuss. So I think we need to be recurring guests on each other's yes. programs and, yes. and keep this going. Or we could just start a podcast called like the M&M show with Jackie and Noor, where we just, you know, talk about our love of Eminem. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know about that niche, but I'm not <laughs> mad at a, a long-term collab with you, truly, because I'm, I think there's a lot of interesting things to, to explore here. Oh, and we haven't even, like, there is a million other things I want to talk to you about, but I'm like, you know, let's, let's not take up too much of the time because I mean, we've already been here for like an hour, but literally I'm like, I could talk to Jackie forever. And I'm just so glad that the podcasting world brought us together. And you know what, guys, this is what happens. Cause I, I reached out to Jackie and I asked her to be on my show and she responded back to me with being like, I'll come on your show, but you should come on my show too. Only going to prove that if you want something, you should ask for it. I mean, the worst thing that can I, happen is the know, person says, you no. into those DMs like a fuck boy. And mm-hmm, I, took, mm-hmm. I, I did, I, I did. I slid, I slid in just like a little fuck boy. And I was like, hi, I'm Noor. I have a podcast and I want you on that podcast. And like, you know, there's a possibility you could have not responded, not a, whatever. And I would have gone on with my life, never having connected with my apparent soulmate. And that would have been fine. But, you know, just if you want something in your relationship, in your career, in whatever it is, just go fucking ask for it. Do it. I know the worst that can happen is you get ignored or something, which I, to be honest, I do ignore a good amount of them. I feel honored that I wasn't ignored. Truly. I mean, listen, you got it going on, huh? I'm God bless the, the, the verified badge. <laughs> you know, a check mark doesn't hurt. Let's be honest. A check mark does not hurt. Sorry. Does it, sorry to break it to hurt. It's They're not easy to get either. Yeah. 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 
But um, you know what? It helps. I'm not mad at us starting a podcast called The M&M Show, but never <laughs> just never explaining why. I think that's funny. Like never even mentioning M&M whatsoever. Yeah. Just, just like The M&M, the M&M, show. M&M Show with yeah. Jackie and Noor. Yeah. And then we just talk about talk everything. About, we talk about Judaism. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, listen, we should do a religion app where we both oh talk about God. stuff. That would be cool. A Jew and a Muslim walk into a bar. I'm telling you, I'm excited when I'm finally, uh, when I when I am fully Jewish because I'm going to be a Texan vegan Jew. And to me, that's like a very fun combination. That is also, I feel like, unheard of. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm excited to yet again become an even more niche influencer. <laughs> you know? You really are such a niche influencer, like truly the essence of a niche influencer. There is no one like Jackie Johnson. I'll, I'll say it. Um, but honestly, I, I'm really, I'm so glad that we connected. I want you to tell everyone where they can follow you, listen to you, get all the fucking Jackie that, you know, their heart desires. Well, listen, uh, if you want to listen to Natch Butte, please come. Uh, new episodes every Thursday. I also have a very intense back catalog, uh, over 200 episodes. So buckle up, babe, because you're going to hear a real a real journey if you start at the beginning. Uh, but if not, every Thursday, new apps, honey. Nora's about to be on. We have a great time. And then on Instagram, I'm Jackie Michelle Johnson. Michelle has one L. And Natch Butte is at Natch Butte. Uh, come hang out. And I am on Twitter, but I've honestly have taken a break. I haven't tweeted in like four months. Twitter is weird like that. I, I don't get people who are like on it consistently. I go through phases too with Twitter. Like sometimes I'm super into it. Other times I'm just like, I, I just can't. I can't. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I might be back on it at some point, but I took a little bit of a break and it, let me just tell you, it was good. It's, it's always nice to take a break from, from whatever it is. If you're, if you're, if you feel like you need the break, take the break, but you know, you shouldn't take a break from going on Instagram, literally the worst segue ever. Uh, follow the podcast on Instagram, Arab American Psycho, where you will see a beautiful picture of Jackie's face. And, um, also I'm on Instagram at Nori. You guys already fucking know just, you know, shenanigans, pictures of me being a narcissist, but not like a real one, like a fun one. Um, and, uh, Hey, you're serving looks and we all need to see him. Thank you. Thank you for reinforcing my ridiculous habit of taking photos of myself. Um, But as always, guys, um, I will talk to you next Sunday.